Greetings. Welcome everybody to the next episode of InfoSec with Skim. Ushi, your host, and my co-host today is Nick. And our guest tonight is Curtis Brazel. Did I pronounce that right? It's Brazel, but that's okay. Brazel, you know, it's funny because when I was, um, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I was like, I wonder if it's Brazel or Brazel. I worked with somebody whose name was Brazel, and it was spelled exactly the same way. So that's funny. So welcome. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having so, me. For those who um, aren't aware, um, will you kind of give us like, I mean, I always talk about you being the guy who wrote Emmers for Malware, um, <laughs> just because that's more prevalent in my life. Um, although you do a ton of really cool um, cybersecurity stuff. So, um, and I was just actually going over some of your Medium um, articles. Oh, I'm sorry. And <laughs> I, no, no, you're an amazing writer. It's been so much fun. Like. Um, you, uh, I, I went through, I, I wanted to kind of like, I wanted to get background. And uh, so I read your intro that talks about kind of like how you, you know, came into like computers and the internet oh, and yeah. hacking and like, that's super, super interesting. So I can't wait to like talk about that and just kind of everything you do. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm happy to. But yeah, so like, so obviously this, this kind of started because, um, you know, somebody, posted a picture of their kid with your book or maybe it was just your book had come in and they were excited about it and I was like OMG I need <laughs> this for mine and um yeah so for those who don't know you wrote a book called Emma's for Malware yeah yeah I love yep. this I love the monsters Thank and you. um and it's cool because I really like board books because kids like to trash everything else. So I love that it's a board book, meaning, you know, for people who aren't aware, like it just means that it's, what, what do you call the paper? Like it's. Yeah. That thicker cardstock. Yeah. The, the I, I would say non-edible for a child. Yes. And they try, and, and I, and at least mine do. <laughs> it's harder to rip as well because mine definitely tries to rip like everything that he gets a hold of. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty funny. But, yeah. Uh, my my yeah. daughter, she'll pull the, uh, like the spot books and things like that that have the flaps. Um, those are really cool books, but she rips every flap she yep. can off of them. So I end up having tape on almost every page. Yeah. I had a couple of family members that did the, um, like the recordable books, which, uh, my son loves, but then like when he's bored, he wants to like pull on them. And like, it's to the point now that I have to do like book surgery to be able to, you know, like for him to be able to listen to them because they're just like destroyed. But, yeah. uh, so <laughs> before we get too far into it, let's, we, so we had an interesting whiskey, like conundrum, right? So like immediately I knew I wanted to do Angels Envy with you because, you know, despite some of my, my rants on, on Twitter, you know, children are angels and we love them. And I thought that that would be like a really cool um, whiskey to share. That's perfect. I was unaware that um, when it, where I'm from in Florida, a small little town, I went to a little mom and pop liquor store and they always had angels envy on the shelf now it was usually covered in a layer of dust because <laughs> i guess nobody was drinking angels envy there and so when i went to go pick up a bottle um the liquor store kind of laughed at me like they do when you ask if you have blantons like it they, they kind of they were like yeah no we don't have that because i'm looking i'm looking and i said hey i think i'm missing it where's the angels envy and they were like well, we don't we don't have angels envy 
And I said, oh, like you guys don't carry it? And they were like, well, no, it just doesn't stay on the shelf. Like they're <laughs> looking at me like I'm insane. And I was like, oh, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. I said, I'm from Florida. Like we always had it on the shelf. And so it's funny, like you found it. I didn't. Yeah. And <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't know, you know, I, I'm not a big drinker, so you know, I, I'm not a big whiskey guy at all. And it doesn't mean I don't like it. I just haven't really had much of it. Right. So I go in the liquor store and, you know, it's this huge place and I didn't know where to even start looking for this. So I went up to the guy and was like looking for Angel's Envy. And so he knows exactly where it is, obviously, and walks right. over and picks it up. And fortunately, they did have it or I would have not known what to do. So <laughs> Every, awesome. Everything around here, they always say there's an allotment. Like there's a certain amount that they can have here. And it's huh. one of the items they cannot have here. So therefore, oh. I could not find it. But yeah, uh, it's all right. That's why I went with a local and I figured we could have fun with that. What do you yeah, mean we you all can't have... have it? Like they they never receive it at the liquor stores here. That's oh. what they were telling me. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Well, we all have our own. So that, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, so that is cool. I So I decided to go with, um, I went with Isaac Bowman, which is um, similar to Angel's Envy in that it's also a port barrel finish and um, has a similar like uh, tasting notes and um, so, and like the same proof. So like, I figured that would be a good, um, a good replacement since I couldn't do the Angel's Envy. But uh, what I thought was cool was, and I, I always do a little bit of research on the, um, the whiskeys before we drink them. And Angel's Envy is pretty cool. So Angel's Envy comes from Kentucky. It's Kentucky straight bourbon. And they finish it in port wine casks. Same with the Isaac Bowman. And um, they're typically aged for about eight years. Usually it's like a 92 proof. And what I thought was cool was, it says while we lose about 5% of the spirit each year to evaporation or the angel share, what's left behind after we're done is truly worthy of envy. So I thought that was kind of cool that, that, um, cool. that yeah, like where they come up with that. Like, and one of my favorite, <laughs> like super, super cheap um, bourbons is called Devil's Cut and it's by, um, I'm, having, I'm having a brain fart. Nick, help me out. Devil's Cut? Yeah, you've got it. But I yeah. have to look it up. You hear me, Tiki Tacky? It's, it's one of the, um, it's, is, it's. And is it Jim Beam stuff or? Is it Jim Beam? I think it is Jim Beam. I think you're right. Yeah. I think it's Jim Beam. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've actually I, had that before. Yeah. I, I get Jim Beam and Jack sometimes like mixed up. It's great. Like it's, it's actually a really, really good, um, uh, you know, just like cheap bourbon to have around. And their thing is the part that evaporates is the angels cut and then they say that they like squeeze out whatever gets sucked into the um, into the barrel themselves, and they call that the devil's cut. So oh, yeah. yeah, it's kind of a cool cool whatever. So all right, so let's see. So I've got. So what are you drinking, Nick? <laughs> I, we talked about me and and uh, no, oh, we're, right. I, you know yeah. before before we go there. So I did mention the Isaac Bowman, and what I thought was cool was I'm a huge dork and. Um, I don't normally know where the whiskeys or bourbons come from. I drink a lot of Kentucky bourbon, so like I just don't even think about it. But um, so the Isaac Bowman is actually local here in Virginia, um, which for those who don't know, like I moved to Virginia back six months ago. So I actually, it was funny because I picked up this and I picked up a single malt Virginia whiskey to try um, later. And so, yeah, this pretty much has like really similar um, 
the way that it's made and whatnot. But what I thought was cool was the history on this is um, it was named for Captain Isaac Bowman, who was a soldier and militia officer who fought in the American Revolutionary War. Um, he was taken as a prisoner of war and historically escaped embarking on a two-year adventure before he was able to return home to Virginia in 1782. Settled at the Fort Bowman estate where he became a prosperous farmer and landowner. And then, um, you know, they, the, the legacy is that they began distilling in Virginia in the late 1800s. And so um, this, uh, this whiskey is named for him. So I think that's, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. That'd make for a good movie. Uh, it, yeah. Doesn't it sound like that would make for a really good movie? <laughs> Maybe we should make it. <laughs> now, now you were saying trying to figure out where yours is from. Um, I'm a simple man, so I know where this is from. Yeah, Wyoming. I, yeah, I told you right here, Wyoming whiskey. So I was like, all right. So that was my first thought. Was I wanted to get something a little bit more local. I was like, since I can't I like get it. something from far away, yeah, I'd like to try something local. I've never tasted this before either. So awesome. I to try it out. So we're all doing it. That's so cool. Yeah. Last week I did. Um, I got to interview uh, Troy Hunt, and he, you know, he's in Australia, and God bless him because sometimes I don't think when I ask people to be on the podcast, like I just don't think about time zones. I think like, oh, we'll be within a few hours of each other. Like Nick, Nick is, um, Nick is in South Dakota. So he's a couple hours behind. And, um, so with, is it 12, I, 12 hours, it is 14 hours to oh, Australia. 14. And yeah. so when I, um, and I did, I just didn't think about it. And I was like, normally I do the podcast at a certain time of day because, you know, I have a son and, you know, he's in bed and so by the, like he's in bed now when we're doing this. And, um, so when I asked him like what time frame works for you, he was like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Like seven thirty PM, your time is good. And then, um, we were talking about like the drink that we were going to do. And I asked him like, what are you into? Because everything I saw on him, like he's more into beer than he is anything else. And um, yeah, it was funny. Like, so he was drinking at nine 30 in the morning. <laughs> he did have, he did have like half a glass, like just to, to <laughs> and it was a weekend. It was Saturday. He, you know, yeah, he, didn't, that helps. he didn't have kids. That's totally fine. So, yeah, it was, it was great. <clears throat> All right. So you want me to read the stuff on the 10 and do the whole thing? You'd like yeah. Tell me about it. All right. So, the Bourbon frontier was moved west to the Rocky Mountains of Wyoming, where high country winds flow through fields of wheat, corn, and barley, where water from glaciers waits in deep limestone aquifers, and where this whiskey is made by hand without shortcuts or compromise to create a small batch bourbon with the right to be called Wyoming's whiskey. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. And then, um, the flavors that I'm supposed to be tasting, so we're going to take a look. A dark amber. It's supposed to have a floral with a hint of vanilla bean and caramel pudding nose. And then on the palate, a uh, floral with brown baking spices and brown butter, vanilla cream, caramel with a hint of cinnamon. So I might actually really like this. Nice. Awesome. That sounds delicious. All right. Well, you guys want to, let's pop our corks. Let's do it. That's a good pop. Ooh, mine was kind of weak. I can already smell the cinnamon a lot here. So, yeah, so walk me through this. Are we supposed, so to, yeah, let's, we're supposed let's, to smell it first, right? Yeah, so I find, so yes, we're supposed, so the first thing you want to do is most people will kind of swirl it around their glass, see what the viscosity is on it. Mine is not, mine's pretty thin. Um, this one's got some viscosity to it. I don't know why we care, because I, 
I mean, I don't know. It's all liquid, right? Well, there's a little bit of viscosity, I suppose. Yeah, I'm trying to go back in my head to the Tinker Sack episode. Yeah. He did a really good job. Of, oh my gosh. Of he this. did such an awesome job of just kind of walking through how to do it. And I'd say in the last year or so, I've learned more and more about just tasting whiskeys and figuring it out. And so what I do is I always start with it neat um, because even though I'm probably going to add, not probably, I will add, I brought, I brought a um, little mule glass full of ice for myself. But um, so, yeah, so the first thing we're supposed to do is kind of smell it. And they say you should smell it with your mouth open so that you're not getting too much of like that alcohol burn. Yeah. And that you'll actually get a good smell. What I find for myself is that I can smell the flavors more after I take like a first teeny tiny sip of it. So, but what do you, like when you, when you just smell it straight up, what do you smell? Anything? It smells like alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, not really right. sure. So take just the tiniest. Yeah, for me, it's the cinnamon. I can actually smell that. Can you smell it? Mmm. That's really smooth. Do you think yep. yours is smooth? Curtis, I think that's smooth too. You look like somebody who just took the first drag of a cigarette ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so lame. When you asked me to be on here, I was like, oh no, I should warn you. I uh, I don't know the first thing about whiskey. But let's no, see. but I think that's fun, right? Yeah, I do like so, it though. So when you can't, I can't describe better. it. Curtis, I drink it all the time, but I don't know anything about whiskey either. Yeah. Uh, okay. you know, at first it's enjoyable. And then I told her after about two drinks, it, it don't matter anymore. Right. You might as well switch to something cheaper. <laughs> That's so funny. So this is, um, I think the reason, like it doesn't have, so I think our notes are, are similar. Um, so what I read on Angel's Envy is that, so it's a gold color, at least with reddish amber hues, nearly copper in tone. You'll detect notes of subtle vanilla, raisins, maple syrup, and toasted nuts. Um, and then that's on the nose. And then what you should taste is vanilla, ripe fruit, maple syrup, toast, and bitter chocolate. Okay. And then the finish is clean and lingering sweetness with a hint of Madeira that slowly fades. I have no idea what that is. It's capitalized M-A-D-E-I-R-A. -E yeah, I do like that lingering taste though. I agree. I think ours are very similar. It's been a while since I had Angel's Envy, but um this definitely reminds me of it and it's like for 92 proof which is i mean that's a that's a decent high proof um it's really really like smooth and so this one is i think mine's 86 is oh is it what it says on the bottle i don't know why i thought it was 92. this this one's at 88 and it is really smooth as well like um yeah i probably didn't need to put the ice ball in there this would have been fine <laughs> I like my stuff cold. <laughs> I do too. I, the, the glass was frozen, but we took too long to get here, so. Yeah, understood. So, I'm going to throw an ice cube in, because I do like it, but, so what do you think, Curtis? I do, I like it. Yeah? I've got a lot, I've got a lot to drink here, though. It's a pretty big bottle. <laughs> it, it is a big bottle. No, you like can't, the, uh, the podcast isn't over until you drink that entire bottle. That's right. <laughs> you got to get through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, the Zoom meeting set for like 48 hours. So whatever. it should be a really interesting podcast, especially towards the end. <laughs> no, I like the, uh, the bottle is really neat. It's got the, the angel wings. I don't know if you guys can see it, you know, I love it. angel wings that's through cool. it. Yeah. But, yeah. That's yeah. definitely one of my favorite bottles. 
I also like the, um, what is that called? People, Larceny. This is the Larceny cup that came with Larceny. I'm a sucker for like anything that comes with free shit. So when Larceny threw some like mule cups on top, I was like, hell yeah, and I bought two. <laughs> um, they have a really cool bottle because like the front of it, which Tinker explains because he's such a great storyteller, it has like a keyhole in it and that's really awesome. So I like the Angel's Envy for a similar reason. Like I love when there's something on the back that you look yes. through it and see it. I just think that looks so nice and classy. I actually Googled it after that episode to see what the keyhole looked like. Because you, you guys described it really well and I wanted to see what it looked like. It's so yeah. it's so cool. And I definitely I said something that triggered Siri. Um I definitely recommend that to people who are like new into drinking whiskey because it's um it's good. It can be mixed if you want to throw Coke in it or, you know, Sprite or whatever like mixer you want to throw in there. Like it's really good either that way or just by itself with an ice cube or meat. It's great. Yeah. So Nick, tell us about yours. How do you like it? I really like it. Um, it's, yeah? it's super smooth. I really thought it would be a lot more rough than this because of the cinnamon stuff, but I, it's smooth. It's very smooth. They did a good job with this. And it's just um, called Wyoming whiskey. Yeah, it's, yeah, Wyoming whiskey. I like it. Uh, and it's very simple. I mean, like you would get from the Midwest, you know, uh, you'd have the, the simple whiskey bottle with the wood cork on top, and then they numbered, numbered everything on the back. Oh, nice. It's small. Oh, very cool. And it's it's super tasty. I'm going to look uh, for it. The, the W reminds me of the whiskey company in, in the, the Kingsman Golden Circle, though, that whiskey <laughs> <laughs> it looks almost like, like it, except it. extra W, but it is, it's super tasty. It's good. That's awesome. Yeah, this one, so the, um, this, the two are pretty similar, this one and Angel's Envy, and like, I find, um, I definitely taste, excuse me, like dried fruit, which is weird to say that, like, I feel <laughs> like, how does it, but I do definitely taste that, like, it's, I don't know, it's more complex, but it's delicious. I like it. Yeah. I don't pick up on the dried fruit, but uh, then again, you know, I'm pretty new at this, so I could be missing it. Try taking a tiny sip and then smell it again. This doesn't have a lot of complex flavor or smells, I don't feel like, but again. Right. And it smells different to everybody, right? Like there is no fruit in it. I thought it was really interesting how Tinker like actually explained that. Like there's obviously they don't make it with fruit. It's just that the process creates those flavors on your palate and your nose and it's different for everybody. So that is why some people like some flavors and some people don't. I don't yes. like anything super smoky. I that's, feel like that's I'm, what I like about certain things. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Ushi, but like I like certain things like that because we're going to be able to smell this and we use a lens of our experiences in order to create the flavor. That we yeah, have. absolutely. And I think it's really cool when people have the different tastes and you can have the same whiskey and somebody else will get something else completely different from it. Yeah. Um, even if it's pulling up a memory of theirs or even just uh, smells that they've compared to, you know, in their lives. I think it's kind of neat. That is cool. So, all right, well, we're like 20 minutes in already and we haven't even talked. Like, I want to, I want to talk to Curtis. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm super excited. Like, oh, well, thank you. You're, I am too. You're, you're like a celebrity in our house. You're, you're one of our favorite um, book authors and that's not even like your day job. <laughs> it's just no, like I, your side thing. I feel bad. 
um, people using the word author because it's like, well, <clears throat> it's an ABC book, right? It, it doesn't have a lot of uh, text to it, but I do appreciate it. I hear yeah. that a lot. It's, now, it's like, I, I can't really call myself an author. <laughs> if, you're, if you're basing it on the book alone, I still would call you an author. However, um, your, your blog posts on Medium um, are really, really interesting. They're well-written. They flow really easily. Um, sometimes I find like when I'm on different blogs, um, like technical blogs, I get, and I do that every single day for work. And like, sometimes you're just like, Oh my gosh. Like, right. And so yours is so awesome because I feel like I'm not just reading technical information, but I'm also like, it just, I don't know. It's, you have a way of writing where it's not boring. So I appreciate that. Hey, I appreciate you saying that. Um, so that's one of the things I try to do. Well, thank you. I, uh, I try to add humor to my blogs. It's usually bad dad humor, you know. Um, I like dad jokes. I try to put a theme on every blog if I can uh, as much as possible, except for maybe the one where I was telling my story of how I grew up and into the computers. But right. yeah, I try to add some bad humor to it. <laughs> so do you mind, um, like, I definitely think people should go to your uh, Medium blog and look and read the entire blog. Um, and just so that they know it's medium.com forward slash at the at sign, um, Kurt Braz. So C-U-R-T-B-R-A-Z, which is the same as your Twitter handle. Yes. So yeah. people should definitely check that out. Like I, I already found things that were relevant to my day job, um, that I've bookmarked and I'm going back to, um, so yeah. So, so, but I, but I love, I love the, um, what's what's the term I like that I like the the cre like the stories of how people get into something so can you kind of tell us a little bit can you give us the reader digest version of that of that intro yeah so <clears throat> stop me if I get boring um especially since a lot of people don't know me and I'm not as I'm not as famous as you know a lot of the uh podcast guests you've had on stop. here but uh, I still can't believe you had John McAfee on here. My my mouth was just hanging open. I think the whole time I listened to that. Well, well Curtis, here's here's the deal. If you start getting boring, you have to take a jug, and that way you're yeah, not okay. as boring. And then we'll go from there. Can can we make there that just go. like? But if you're if you're interesting, you have to take a jug too. Like I think yeah, we should we should no create a what. drink. We need to create an infosite drinking game. Absolutely. Somebody tweeted one time something like it had to have been a joke, but it was something like every time I tweeted send bourbon they would drink <laughs> and i was like i love that <laughs> <laughs> yep, so basically absolutely. every time we say vulnerability ap uh, api or <laughs> yes yeah, one of those key terms right yeah. if you say hacker you have to drink yeah, yeah. um so so yeah so like what i thought was really interesting was um kind of just your start and you the the like the theme to me of that post was talking about um, how you can, you know, I, there was a lot of things I took away from it. Number one was I thought it was just like a cool transition that you did from like gray hat to white hat. And I, I really appreciated how even when you were doing gray hat things, you were like still like, but it kind of made me uncomfortable. And I loved the transition into, um, you know, doing white hat hacking and how you were like, you get so much more joy from that versus the rush of doing something that you're not supposed to do. Like, I totally get that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm giving me spoilers. I want to hear Curtis tell the story. Oh, okay. I'll shut up. I'm going <laughs> to no, drink my drink while Curtis, Curtis tells yeah. us. 
Yeah, no worries at all. So um, I'm kind of an old school hacker. It, I mean, old school is relative, right? It, there's a lot of people out there that are probably like, hey, you know, I was using punch cards back in the day and I get that. Um, so old school for me, you know, I got really into computers when I was in the third grade. Um, grew up in a little small town in Indiana and uh, our grade school was lucky enough to get a grant for these Macintosh computers, the original Macintosh, right? So I was geeked out the second they showed us, um, <clears throat> learned everything I could about it, um, started just pushing the limits as much as I could. Um, I knew at that moment, or at least I thought I did, that I wanted to be a developer when I grew up. And uh, so I really started um, in 96, 1996, I started getting into uh, Windows 95 and Visual Basic and writing my own computer programs and things like that. And I was, I think uh, I was 11 years old at the time. and so. It, it was an obsession to say the least. And, uh, you know, my parents, uh, for my own good had to kind of ground me, um, just so I'd be more social and go, and go outside and hang out with people and, and stuff like that. And thank goodness they did, because I probably would have been a lot more introverted had they good not for them. That. So, so you actually got reverse grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much like for your own good, get outside and play with some, play with some friends. <laughs> so, That's awesome. yeah. So, <clears throat> um, I just loved building websites. I mean, it was the days of like AOL 3.0, right? So everybody had like their AOL homepages and, and I, I tried to learn HTML, you know, backwards and forwards. And uh, being the, the dork I was, I would take like a sheet of paper to school and write web pages and code, you know, like on paper while I was there. Couldn't wait to get back home and like try to make it into a website. And, um, hey, so can you, can you make my MySpace look good? <laughs> Oh man, nostalgia overload. I know, right? <laughs> All those 90s platforms. Um, yeah, so I started doing um, kind of security type of stuff. So whenever, you know, we would go somewhere as a family and they would have, you know, some kind of terminal at like a hotel or something like that. And they were pretty locked down, right? Um, I was obsessed with trying to like escape the sandbox and see what I could do to get out of the restrictions they put me in. And um, a few times things like that got me in trouble. So in high school, um, I, I found out that uh, our school uh, had POP3 um, on the outside email accounts. So the whole goal for me was, okay, I can, I can use a password cracker to, or a, uh, a dictionary attack against that to see, you know, if I can guess my teacher's passwords. And so it kind of started out innocently, but I never know where to draw the line. At least then I didn't. And so I would just let it run overnight and I'm talking it was on like a you know 14.4 kilobit per second dial-up modem out in the country uh, so real slow connection I'd wake up in the morning and check and I had you know like 80% of my teachers passwords cracked and mm. you know they were using bad passwords this is this is the mid 90s right so they had hey, passwords like yeah their dog or fro froggy for the biology yeah. teacher and, and of course and those passwords like are probably being used on all the other accounts as well too yeah oh, I'm sure. and the default password i think uh we were the shared in blackhawks so everybody had hawk as a password and it nice. wasn't you know capitalized or anything so it really wasn't much of an achievement um but then getting into their emails and reading you know their emails and i started to feel a little bad about it i had a little bit of a conscience that was like hey you know what you're doing Something quite right. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't help but, you know, get a high from it and tell my friends, like, look, like I got into their emails and like, look what's going down with the biology teacher and like, look what they're doing online. And I don't know, I just got really into, uh, into researching and yeah. And so, so, and then, you know, um, I thought, 
one day I, I figured out a way, there was a, a website called crackme.com. Uh, or I'm sorry, it was hackme. I think it was hackme.com. And uh, the idea there was if you went to the website, this is Windows 98 now, um, there was a vulnerability that would crash every Windows 98 PC. So just by visiting it, it would blue screen. And the only thing you could do was turn it off physically and turn it back on. And I thought, crash this is me. so cool. Yeah, crashme.com. Um, it's not around anymore. Um, but I, <laughs> yeah. So I thought, wow, this is amazing. And that's when I decided, like, I have to do something someday like this. Um, but I didn't want to do it illegally. I didn't want to be a black hat. Um, I just didn't think that there was a career. So it was more of an interest, more of a hobby. Um, but I was hooked from that point on. And, and so, you know, every time I went there, I tried to get the source code, but you know, the site was designed to crash your computer. So how do you get the source code on something where every time you visit it, it crashes. And this is before the days of like curl and, and running commands like that. I, at least I didn't know how to do that kind of, kind of stuff uh, in a headless manner. So um, long story short, I ended up finding out, I was like, oh, that's stored in my cache, right? That's, that's in my internet cache. I should be able to pull that up and look at the source code. And I figured out what it was and how it worked. And I turned it into like a one by one pixel. And I started emailing it around to people and putting it in chat rooms and having a blast as a teenager because I'm watching all these people just sign out all of a sudden when I post this pixel in, in the chat. And I could tell it was crashing people's computers. And so I was like, oh, this is, this is awesome. <clears throat> and I wasn't really thinking about the, you know, the, my actions and, and what it was causing for people uh, right. at the time. I, I ended up uh, dressing it up, making like a, a big green, uh, evil looking smiley face. I embedded the pixel and I emailed it to uh, my system administrator at school because she's the only one that I knew of at the time that, you know, had better skills than me. And I thought, you know, I'm going to send this to her and just see what happens. And I tried to make myself anonymous. I I think I signed up for a, a fake email account or something like that with Yahoo and I emailed it. And then the next day at school, uh, I'm nervous about it. I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. You know, they're going to find me out somehow. And they come in with a pink slip and this is, you know, uh, at a time when I had never gotten in trouble for anything at school. I was known as like the nice kid, the quiet kid did never get in trouble. And she comes in with a pink slip and I had to go to the office and she pulls me aside and says like, look, Curtis, uh, I'm not going to tell the principal about this. Um, that was pretty awesome what you did, but I need to know, is my computer infected? What does this mean? She's like, it crashed and it kept doing this evil laughing sound all night long. You know, I had trouble sleeping. <laughs> I, felt, I felt terrible. I was like, it wasn't designed to do that. It was supposed to shut off your computer and scare you. It wasn't supposed to really infect you or anything. There's no persistence to it. <clears throat> um, so I felt really bad. And I think that's kind of at the point when I started turning things around and I was like, okay, I don't want to make feel people feel bad. Um, I want to help people. How can I help people? And so um, fast forward uh, to where I am now, um, I've kind of tried to make my career. I, I knew at some point I wanted to be a pen tester. Um, so through college and everything, I, uh, we didn't have uh, cybersecurity courses back when I went to college. I'm kind of dating myself a little bit. Um, but I did take networking classes and things like that and tried to steer my career that way. And I became a database administrator um, out of college and loved that job. Um, learned a lot about data analysis and things like that. Um, helped deploy websites and, and things like that. And um, eventually started working on a security operations center for a global uh, aerospace company, which was a really cool experience. 
Nice. Um, yeah, we got to do all kinds of things. We got to stop, you know, APT attacks. And I got to learn a lot about how threat actors act actually work and what kind Here's of commands are running. May I ask which aerospace company? I'm not supposed to say. Okay. <laughs> that's that's fine. Right. No, that's fine. Yeah. So I think that's cool, though. I think I think the sock. If people can get into a sock, that was my um, that was my first uh, into like real cybersecurity. And I think that I think getting even if you can only if if you only work in a sock for a year, I feel like you learn so much. Like there's just so many different areas and. Yeah, like I think sock work is just is really um, undervalued. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, because of the classes you took too, you had a really nice foundation that wasn't just cybersecurity. Um, yeah. You, even a problem that we have where I work is a lot of kids that are in that career field of cybersecurity, they don't understand the foundation. They just run a script to watch B happen. If it doesn't, then do this. And I, and I, you know, I, I think that's awesome that you're able to actually get that foundation down and stuff. Well, thank you. And <clears throat> I did fail to mention that um, before I moved to the SOC, I did work as a uh, systems administrator for a while at the Children's Museum of Indianapolis. It's the uh, world's biggest children's museum. So that's kind of like ties into this podcast a little bit because children have always been a part of this. And and Love the that. ethical. Tell me more. I want to know more about the Children's Museum. What do yeah, they have no, there? Oh, they have everything. They have dinosaurs. Like the first day I walked in, they had dinosaurs standing there. They had, you know, um, Decepticons so cool. and, and things like that that were, I was like, this is the coolest place ever to work. You know, oh, it's just cool. super neat. But I got to do really cool stuff there. Um, you know, with my database experience, I helped, um, I was on the team that helped build the the games for the kids. So the Flash games where they go up and touch the screens and interact with them and things like that. Um, there were games throughout all the exhibits in the museum, and it was just so much fun to put analytics in there to see how far the kids got, and, you know, if they got stuck on a certain spot or something like that, we would go back and we'd use that data to figure out, like, hey, we need to go back and redesign this. It's not as intuitive as we thought it would be, and, and things like that, so it was a really, really cool experience. I think, too, like, I, I just want to, um, like, mention that you you also... Yeah, because obviously your blog tells a, a, a much larger story than what we got here today. So everybody should read it because it's super interesting. But like, so you were coding some of your own exploits. You were, you figured out how to exploit different things like SQL injection and cross-site scripting. And you didn't even know what they were called at the time, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it was just kind of, you figured out the flaws and, and the um, vulnerabilities just kind of intuitively through um it looked like some trial and error right on some things absolutely so i think like i like i like highlighting that because some people may think oh well i have to get like a degree in cybersecurity or whatever like really you can figure all these things out on your own um if you have the motivation to do that oh, especially especially now there's a lot of resources available to yeah. practice capture the mm -hmm. flags online and stuff and i post them all the time too like githubs and stuff there's a, I love capture the flags. I love hanging yeah. out. Yeah. Well, and, and your, your, your blog post mentions those safe legal ways to, to yes. play hacker, which I think is great, right? Because there's something, there's something fun about doing things that you're not supposed to do. But if you're somebody like, like us who like, maybe yeah. you don't want to, to you don't want to, you know, 
if, if you want to hack a website, there's bug bounty programs out there that say, please right. hack us and then let us know. And yeah. um, of course there's scopes and, and whatnot that people need to look into. But I think that's, it's really awesome that we have all of those things out there now that they didn't have back then. Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I think and you can make a lot of money on bug bounties too. And I think a lot of people yeah. are coming into the application security space, you know, like experts out of the gate because, you know, they've had all this experience doing bug bounties. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really cool. That's something that we didn't have, you know, that, that long ago. Yeah. That's so cool. So tell us more, like, how did you, what made you decide that you wanted to do like a kid's book? Yeah. So that's a funny story. Um, it really just started for me as a way. So, I work from home. I've been working from home before the coronavirus pandemic. And um, so I've been working from home for about seven or eight years now. And, you know, my kids are growing up watching me on my computer all the time, right? <laughs> and they're like, what, what's daddy doing? I don't think they understand exactly what it is I do. It's probably the same with you, Ushi. Oh, yeah. And, and so, like, and it's a very complex field, right? It's, it, it's hard to communicate what it is we do. So I kind of had that no, in the back of my mind. Me how to hack. I got an afternoon. <laughs> it's hard to explain yeah. to my parents what yeah. I do, let alone to a right. child. But I'm, I'm sure you've had that before too. Somebody come up and they would teach me how to hack. You, you know, we've got a few hours. I'm like, mm. okay. <laughs> I, I get the DMs like that sometimes, right? But <laughs> I do like to try to teach. I think instinct, instinctively, I just love to try to teach people everything I know. And I can probably be the most boring person in the world because I'll take forever to go back and explain everything all the way through. Um, but yeah, I get those DMs too. They're like, hack this for me or teach me how to hack and two months go. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, so Ushi, going back to your question, um, it's just really my, my son, Sam is he kind of asked me what I did one day and I was like, okay, I don't know. You know, daddy works on a computer. And then I thought, well, that's not a great answer because you know, there's a lot of people that work on a computer and yeah. I work in security and how in the world do I, um, conceptualize this for him and and so um but it's a, an important topic for kids right teaching them how to be safe online um they're gonna need to know this stuff i mean i'm gonna do what i can at my house to implement security um practices for him um and, and lay the groundwork but you know i need to be able to talk to him about security concepts um and you know i read a lot of abc books like i'm sure you do like you were mentioning board mm -hmm. books right so I can't help but be a backseat driver when I look at these and I'm like, oh man, I would have chosen a different letter for why these ABC books or I would have, I would have done this a little bit differently. And <clears throat> so it got me thinking, I was like, you know, I would love to do an ABC book, but I don't have anything to talk about, but security stuff. And then I thought, you know, naturally let's just marry those two concepts. And um, I didn't think anybody would really be up for it. I thought maybe there's other people in my field that would be, parents like I am to, to kids and they would like to share this. And I thought this might be more for the adults than it is for the kids even. Right. Um, so let's just have fun with it. Let's do concepts like uh, I is for input uh, sanitization or Java deserialization or something like that. Right. Yeah. And uh, my wife thought I was kind of crazy for picking such big words, but she thought it was a really cool concept. Um, so I think I had her um, backing on it and that That's really awesome. motivated me to go through with it. I love the fact that you use big words because I feel like I feel like we shouldn't dumb things down for children because like if anybody is going to be able to um, to absorb that information, it's children. They're they're literally programmed 
at small ages to just absorb all of that information. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like this is the best time to introduce those um, those big words and concepts and like you know. We started a whole Twitter debate about P is for fishing um, <laughs> because it was P-H-I. And I thought that was so funny. I got so, I got really um, defensive about that too. Like when people would say things like, I was so like, oh my gosh, do not talk about Curtis's book like that. <laughs> No, I it's like I, I wanted, I wanted to get, like I was ready, I was ready to throw down for you. Um, <laughs> every time I saw somebody post something that was like slightly not, like that's the coolest thing ever. Like, I, I, yeah, I wanted to throw down, but I think it was. I love it. I think it's good to because there's there's two things. Number one, the book is is it's a sophisticated kids book and i think it's like the kids are going to um are gonna <laughs> are gonna understand concepts earlier than they probably would have ever understood before and um and then secondly what i love is that you have opened up an area for kids to be able to ask what is that and learn things like so just just the first like a is for adwear right is the first in the book which i think like like just teaching kids like you know what is out there and like what the dangers are and i mean you know like b is for botnet which i love that you have like a bunch of drones with your yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's well, so cool. Honestly, and Ushi, I think because, okay, so I took a class in college and they were talking about different generations when it comes to being uh, available to online stuff and mass media. And we have a current generation that grows up with the internet. I mean, my son yes. wanted a tablet when he was six. Right. And I, and this may be a little bit vulgar, but I think that cybersecurity and learning that stuff is as important as sex ed for kids. Mm -hmm. But there's not really a class for that because they're going to, their entire lives consist on information. You know, we, they put so much stuff on that. The first thing they're going to do is get a Facebook account and then they're, you know, from then on out. And it's not something we had growing up. I'm old as hell. So it's not a, you know, it's not something that was a problem for me, but I, I really like this book, Curtis, and I haven't read it, but I like the, the concept behind it because it's important, um, especially for the current generations. I mean, they live on the internet. That's everything mm -hmm. they do, either they're posting what's going on or whatever, and they live there. And it's yes. important to show them the safety of everything around them. I think that's really amazing. I think it's really cool. So the safety Thank aspect you. is probably one of my favorites because I feel like what we're able to do with this is like, this is something that's going to grow, right? Like right now, my bubs is two years old and he has no idea what the words are that I'm saying. So he likes the pictures. He likes the book. He likes looking at it. He likes the colors because it's super vibrant. You did an amazing job. I mean, I love how just everything pops in this book with the white background. It's just awesome. Everything is just, yeah, it's great. I love it. I can't say enough of things, but what I like about it, is that in the future, <clears throat> once he starts reading it to me and we figured, you know, like we're, I, I sometimes just hit random things while I talk. Um, as when he grows and we're able to actually have discussions about like what these things are, it, 
opens up the perfect opportunity for us to talk about online safety. And, you know, my background is as a sex crimes detective, among other things. And um, I did a lot of online sex exploitation stuff. And um, so talking about doing like the gray hat hacking thing, I would go online sometimes and um, I would do undercover um, investigations. And um, so like, and I liked I liked getting to be the bad guy, you know, for the good, for the greater good. Right. And um, so, but I, what I realized obviously is that I did a lot of child exploitation cases. And so when, so I have, I have older um, children, I have an older son who just turned 20 and I have a stepdaughter who is 17. And um, you know, when they were like, we had a, we had a rule about the phones, which was you can't install any social media um, apps unless you ask first. And we would periodically just do spot checks on the phone. Nothing crazy. I used to, it was funny because like my, my, my oldest son, I would grab his phone every so often and he'd be like, whatever, like look at it, mom. And like, I would look through it and like that kid was boring as hell, which I love, <laughs> right? Like it's wonderful. Yeah, it's like thing. you want yep. your kid to be boring and I loved it. Like every time I would look through it, I was like, good on you. But, um, but I would have those conversations and we would talk about, predators online and we would talk about some of the things that like that's the extreme right like i mean it's prevalent but and that needs to have a conversation but we would also talk about you know some of the other security things that you need to be cons like you need to consider um you know like sending pictures of yourself to your yes. friends or to your little girlfriend and how that what that legally represents and um and kids i, I think i feel like we don't give kids enough credit for how smart they are and how much they can understand and absorb and yep. so like i love that it's I love P is for fishing. Like, <laughs> fuck the haters. Like, I love it. I think that's great. And I think it, it creates a conversation about, about the fact that the English language is weird. And sometimes PH does have an F sound. And, yeah, and then it, like on to the, like, so there's so many different facets. I think it's, I think there's layers that I could talk about forever. So <laughs> I, yeah, like yes. It. So first of all, you're, you're exactly right. I, you know, not that I, uh, I'd like to say I didn't underestimate kids. Um, I really thought the uh, expected the the parents to teach the different concepts themselves, right? And I figured should. everybody had a story, yeah. And a lot of these people buying the book are in cybersecurity, so I thought, okay, they're each going to have something unique to bring to each of these concepts, and they can they can you know explain it to the children in a way that makes sense. Um, I also tried to do that with the glossary page. I have a, a link, the barcode on there at the uh, on the front page takes you to my website, and I wrote up. Uh, description for the parents that may not be cybersecurity experts to be able to explain to their kids what they're <laughs> yeah, makes holding for so. I was gonna get the barcode because she raised it up. But. Yeah, I yeah. did. So yeah, for those of us, for those who aren't listening, um, or I'm sorry, who are listening and not watching this, eventually we're gonna like I'm gonna start a YouTube channel so that we can upload these videos, people can watch them with us. Um, but yeah, so there's a barcode. Until I, I love shoot it. off my mouth and they take us down. Well, now we'll just we'll just put on there that we're you know there's a there, there's a checkbox for um, we say things that should be a mature audience or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, go ahead, Curtis. So yeah, so the very so you talk about I haven't looked at it actually. I haven't gone no, to the okay. market yet. But like so, I like that. So there's I do remember reading somewhere. Maybe it was on the back page. 
it's been a while since I read that. But it's probably they, that first inside cover. Where you, t where you <clears throat> said, um, well, I don't know. I remember seeing like to have a discussion. Maybe it was a tweet that you explained it. But yeah, I like that you can, you can, you can follow Like, so if you're not a cybersecurity person and somehow this ends up in your house, because like, I was just thinking earlier today, I'm like, I need to grab a bunch of those and just send them to everybody. Because at some point, you know, yeah. like this is just, it, that could be something. So like, so people get it however they get it and they're able to go and read from a non cybersecurity professional um, viewpoint on and understand it where it's not super technical. Yeah, that was the goal was to try to teach the adults as much as the kids. And, and then um, even cybersecurity professionals, I tried to be, so my, back, back, my background again is very diverse, right? It's like, I, I did a little bit of everything. I did digital forensics, I did the blue team, I did the red team. Um, I thought I would Curtis, just... Curtis, you say diverse. You're with a group of people that are, have a very diverse background. So... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love exactly. It. I know. She's got a crime history background and, and everything. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so so very wide background for, for all of us, really. And so the idea was, you know, how do I make it inclusive for everybody in security, right? Everybody from uh, the red and the blue team and uh, DFIR and um, everybody in the middle. And so that was my idea was just to do the one book originally. And so that's why every concept is kind of all over the place. Right. And, and then, you know, I had a lot of requests like, Hey, you need to do some more books. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do that. Right. It was, it was a lot of work and I have a full-time job. I'm a principal security consultant too. So uh, I'm pretty busy, but I was like, let's do it. Let's do a red team. Let's do a blue team. Um, and it almost didn't happen. My uh, illustrator, who's awesome, by the way, um, she's easy to work with. I told her, you know, like, but each, you know, I would work with her closely on each, each image. And it was really hard to come up with concepts. Um, you know, originally you should have seen what I was going to do. I was going to draw my own, I was going to self illustrate and it was going to be awful. Um, I had pictures of like input fields on forms and buffer overflow. <laughs> oh, it was like a funny. bunch of, so, a bunch of so A's who, going past. Who is the, your artist on the, on this book? Yeah. Um, so Amanda Matthews is her name. And awesome. I wanted to put her on the cover and she was like, you know, don't worry about it. It was, it was a Fiverr. Um, I found her on Fiverr and she's an award-winning illustrator and she was um, cool. in very much high regard. So uh, she ended up quitting Fiverr and uh, I was like, Hey, would you still be interested in doing two more, two more books? And I told my wife, I was like, I'm only going to do this if she, if she's on board because I don't even, you know, I don't know. I'm on the fence anyway, if I want to do a couple more. Uh, but I definitely want her to be the illustrator. I want the, to be the same look and feel. I want it to be the same, same exact book, yeah. but just with a red team and a blue team. And, uh, you know, she turned me down. She turned me down like three different times. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to harass her. So I was like, no big deal. It's just not meant to be. I'm going to leave it at that. And then with everything going on with the economy and, and the pandemic and everything, she was like, you know what? She reached back out and was like, uh, I would be willing to do some more if you'll have me. And I was like, I would absolutely love to. Let's do this. That's so awesome. Um, so That's instead crazy. of Kickstarter, I just decided to do it myself and fund it myself. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm accepting pre-orders now for those books that are currently underway. I've, I, I think I'm about halfway through um, the illustrations for, for both of the books. And and so what's, where's, what's the website where you can pre-order? Uh, M is for malware.com. Um, the title of the original book. I'm just going to keep it 
keep it at that. I like it. Um, yeah, thank you. So, so the idea is like, okay, how can I focus on red team and blue team concepts? This will be fun because I wanted to do this with the first one. There were so many ideas I had for certain letters that I wasn't able to use. And this time I can do just specific red team concepts and specific blue team concepts. And uh, I figure there's people on both sides of the camps on, on each camp that would mm -hmm. really enjoy, you know, this hitting close to home for what it is they do on a daily basis. I'm so excited for the books to come out because I like that you, that we're using both sides of the fence. And I like that we're going to showcase to the kids, like, you know, everybody has different talents and, and some people's talents might be better suited from that red team perspective. Some people try to find the hack and whatever. And like one of my favorite things um, in the Edward Snowden book, the, the, his last book I listened to on an airplane and um, he talked about like when he was younger, like he has a very similar background like to you, like, you know, getting a computer and learning how it worked and hacking everything. And, and he talked about learning the hack and, and not just in computers, but like in life in general, like you could figure out how to hack the system. And like, I think we've all probably done that. I, I, I definitely well, I mean, hacked, hacked my way out of English class during my senior year, but. Um, we do and, like being magicians and that's what we get to do when we get Right? Okay. But, and so, but some people are really good at finding the loopholes and finding the security flaws and finding the vulnerabilities where some people are better at protecting and being, you know, like on the other side, that blue team side. And so I think that it's really cool to give kids that perspective of this is, you have, you have more than just one option, right? Like there's so many options and, and who knows what options are going to be available to them in 10 years or 20 years when they're grown and, and, you know, finding their own, their own job. So I love it. I can't wait. I'm so excited <laughs> for them. The ICS out. and aviation security is amazing too. So. Yeah. Uh, so Nick, for those who aren't aware, Curtis, I don't know if you know Nick's background, but um, Nick is in the, um, are we allowed to say who you work for, Nick? You can, you can. Did you say, okay. So Nick's in the Air Force and um, he does avionics um, maintenance stuff. And he also does a talk on um, uh, avionic hacking, which is amazing. That's awesome. And I recommend anybody who has the, um, who wants you to check that out. Like, I think, is your pin tweet still your talk? Oh, no, Nick? no, no, no. My pin tweet something else, but I can, I can put it back. Also, it's on YouTube from the last Wallbus Hacking Fest. Perfect. It was all lying on if somebody's interested, they could, they could DM you, right? Like you're, you're pretty, you're pretty nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love talking, <laughs> especially if I can talk to people about aircraft stuff. I, I love it. Any questions? And I tell everyone, um, that's why I was asking when you said who you work for. <laughs> I was just curious because, uh, you know, I, I've had to touch all sorts of components, Rockwell Collins, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, all of their stuff. I've had my fingers in all of those and then uh, took up cybersecurity a little bit later on. And I was like, ooh, when I apply these principles to what I do, there's some problems here. So I, I developed a talk to try to pull more hackers into that space. So maybe we can come up with a good solution before something bad happens. That's yeah, awesome. very cool. It's a great, it's a great talk. Makes very animated, very funny, and it's, it's a lot of fun. But <laughs> I'm droll and boring. Oh my gosh! So we are really like closing in on an hour. I could talk to you forever, Curtis. You're so much fun, Curtis. Oh, thank you. After I started reading your articles, you're my hero. I read Honeysploit. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I, I totally want to be a blue teamer, right? Yeah. So anytime I can make <laughs> a hacker look bad, I would love it. So yeah, I feel I, I feel kind of bad Honeysploit. about that. 
Oh, no, no, no. It, it's a beautiful write-up. And, and the truth is, if somebody's a real, like they're really serious about hacking, they would have looked at the code, you know? And, right. and at the end of your blog, I noticed a few people did. They did, they did de uh, deconstruct it, and they did yes. find out what it was. And, and yep. that's amazing. I love that. I appreciate that you went that far to challenge people. And I can imagine a 16-year-old thinking, I'm awesome. I'm a hacker. Look at this code. It's running all this stuff. You yeah. know, and then you're grabbing their IP address and, and all that information, you know. <laughs> um, I, I just, that was my favorite thing that you put together was the Honeysploit uh, blog. Can you, can you tell us anything about that? Like what led you to that? And yeah, so it's funny. <clears throat> it's such a small community, right? Um, Tinkersec actually just did something like this um, within the last month, I noticed. Um, except he, he rip-rolled everybody in a really hilarious way. Um, but yeah, a couple of months ago, my was idea that was, him? yeah, yeah, it was him and a, a few other people and I forget exactly who they were now, but, uh, but Tinker was definitely involved and, um, it was hilarious. He wrote a, he put a GitHub repo out there that basically, um, for this new, uh, one of the new critical CVs that came out, uh, and got people to run it. And it basically was the, you know, the Rick roll, uh, Never gonna give you up. <laughs> Lyrics, beautiful. absolutely beautiful. I, I knew about that. I didn't know. I didn't know he was the one who did that. That's so. Funny. Yeah, he was behind the the Rick roll, and so so my idea a couple of months ago was um, very similar. Um, I didn't think it had, it, to my knowledge, it hasn't been done before. Uh, but every time I go out there and I research and 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 Ushi, I know you research proof of concepts as well. I heard you talking in your Dave Kennedy podcast about it, um, but. You know, every time I go out to to use a POC, I'm I'm nervous about it, right? From from a pen testing perspective, I'm like, yeah. Oh man, I hope I can trust this code. So I usually review it as best I can, kind of at a high yeah, level, and, and get an understanding for what it is trying to do. Um, when there's shell code and, and things like that in it, um, you know, it's a lot harder for me to 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 rip it apart. I used to do reverse engineering and things like that, so I can I can do it if I take the time. But it really had me thinking, how often do people stop, and especially people in this community, um, security mm -hmm. researchers, and you know, how often do they, do they look at the code before they run it? Right. So I wrote a Python script, and the idea was, let's set up a honeypot, but it's for the attackers. Like, it's for the hackers. It's for the researchers. It's, it's for the, the red teams out there. Um, and what it'll do is basically grab their local host name and their IP address and, and some information like that. And... You know, I'm putting it out on GitHub. I'm not advertising it. It's my code. Um, so I figured I was okay from a legal perspective there. Um, it kind of took me back to my early days of gray hat stuff. I was like, is this ethical? I, I don't know. But I think my whole point was to teach the community, um, hey, don't trust, you know, you shouldn't just trust any code out there. Yeah. Um, I was really trying to do good by this. And, and that was the intent. And so I did some research. I actually uh, ran it for about uh, 10 days collected a bunch of statistics. Um, it was right when the um, uh, SMB ghost vulnerability came out. Mm -hmm. So I set up a, a repo in GitHub um, with the CVE number for that. And um, it was my Python code. And I, and, you know, as soon as I published it, I started getting all these hits on my server for all of these, you know, people executing it. And I could see all the commands they were running. And then I would respond with a web shell based on their command. So if they were doing LS, you know, I would show them all the files on the directory on my computer and they thought they were actually connected to a real computer. And so it was kind of hilarious to watch this. I, I had it hooked up to a Slack channel. So me and uh, my friends could watch them come in 
in real time. And um, it, I realized pretty quickly it was, it's good threat intelligence too, because we were seeing PowerShell payloads and things like that, real attackers trying to yeah. insert their payloads into this. And so um, it was good, good threat intel that we could use uh, for our own. Well, Curtis, just so you know, I'm not too distracted. What it is, as soon as you said that, I realized I tweeted a GitHub for a SMB ghost vulnerability on mm. GitHub. And I'm like making sure it wasn't yours. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm like, okay, wait, did back. I do it? Did I help spread that a little bit? But no, it wasn't. It was something else. It's, uh, it's okay. I mean, there, there were some pretty big, um, pretty big research companies that, that retweeted it and shared it without actually vetting it. And I felt kind of bad. You know, people reached out to me from those companies and said, you know, hey, that was, that was us. We shouldn't have done that. Do you mind taking that down or not mentioning you and us in, in your blog? Um, because there are some big security companies that I saw show up in those that, that ran the code. Well, um, it's, it comes down to the whole thing about release date. You know, and I understand a lot of them are trying to outdo each other on these release dates. So you right. take advantage of that, you know, people trying to hit those deadlines as quickly as they can without yep. looking at the code or yep. even, you know, just giving it a browser, they would have found it. They would have seen something, you know? Right. Cause it was pretty obvious. I mean, anybody that knows Python could see that I was pretty, just pretty much just printing out the, the commands um, without executing them. So. I just, yeah, I, I thought that was, I have to go back and read and Honeypot. Really appreciate that. Honeysplate. Oh, it's, that was my favorite thing he did so far. Yeah. And I am <laughs> totally going to use your phishing API at one point in time. I'm just oh, thank you. That out there. Uh, yeah, I, I read about a bunch of things about that and I'm looking forward to kind of doing a deep dive, deep dive into that, the, the phishing API. I, um, I also loved, I've had three pours, so forgive me, but like <laughs> the, your featured one right now is about, um, With the fire eye one or no, but yeah. I'd love to look Never into mind. that one. Whoa. No, this That's one was, run there. <laughs> this one was about, um, was about Maldocs and, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like, so, cause that's getting, getting your, your, your malware to run. And like, it's so funny to me because like, I, you know, I work for, for the mandate security validation, um, portion of FireEye. And like, what we do is we break down, malware and and I basically run like I love what I get to do because like you know everybody wants to click the link run the run the the attachment or whatever and like that was one of the things I loved about working in the SOC was like you know a great portion of SOC work is depending on on what tier SOC you work in um but like phishing emails are just so prevalent and you know you're going through and you're you're is this valid and like if it is, you know, a, a threat, then you know, you, there's so many things to do. I loved being able to, like, in our own, you know, sandbox environment. I love being able to click links that normally yeah. you get in your email and you go, I'm not going <laughs> to click that. Um, I love being able to click the things. My favorite thing to do at work is to um, is to detonate um, ransomware. Awesome. Ransomware is like my jam. I love getting to, to do dynamic analysis on that. And, um, but what I found lately is I have a lot of issues um, getting some of the, uh, the Microsoft Docs um, malware to, to run in my, in my environment. And so I spend a ton of time trying to get that stuff to run. And so I was really, that was, a, that was a, that was a fun blog, but yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, I, you, go okay. ahead. I was going to yeah. ask, do you, did you get to run Maze ransomware in a 
in a sandbox? Um, I did. I did a ton of work on these actually. Yeah. I, I just. Um, That's a fun one. It is a fun one. I actually <laughs> so. Um, we had a client who had gotten hit by maze and then hired us. They, they got hit before they, they hired us. And uh, my team ended up getting tasked with um, creating a ton of content for validation um, on maze. So I did, I did a bunch of stuff with maze. And, and in fact, it's funny you brought it up like last week on our all hands meeting, um, our team got an award for our work on, on the maze ransomware. So oh, that, awesome. Yeah, it was, nice. that's a lot of fun. I, that's, Honestly, like eventually I would like to maybe move into maybe like reverse engineering or something like that with FireEye, um, which luckily they have, yeah, it is, you know, and it's funny because like I, I come from a non, um, programming background. Like I'm still learning to code. Like I'm kind of like one of those people that like I could probably order a beer in Python, um, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, Ushi, if it makes you feel any better, the only reason why I learned to code at work when I was, a uh... I ended up being a sysadmin for a technical or distribution officer. So twice a week, I was supposed to go visit units to make sure the laptops touch the network and I'm lazy. Right. Right. So I ended up writing code <laughs> in VBScript. Uh, automated. You know, yeah, yeah, to automate everything. And <laughs> I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody because I was like, you know, getting everything done like I needed to. Yeah. Well, you but know it, what I... only, it only consisted of ad hoc hooking a bunch of stuff together yeah. and looking at the code. And that's how I learned to code is you have a problem and you have to solve it. I'm yeah. terrible at taking classwork. My one of my coworkers, um, when I like when I got hired, I was pretty clear. Like, I have created a few scripts, and it was all like Frankenstein together. Like it was other people's code that I just kind of meshed every thing together and and made it work. And people were like, "That's how you code." And and <laughs> I grew up with a software engineer who like he created all his shit from scratch. So like to me and like and and he like he was coding during the age that like Curtis was hacking, right? Like. Um, I never, I never did a lot of that stuff. I think part of it was like, I didn't, at the time, I didn't have the mindset to like delve deeper into it. And now because of some of the things that I've known and seen and whatnot, like I think, oh my gosh, that's a security flower. Oh, and like, so like for people who are listening, like if you're like, I was not a hacker in the nineties. I mean, I used AOL and I did some IRC and, you know, like AOL chat rooms, but like I, I didn't. Yeah you know, the, the computer wasn't mine. And so like, I never wanted to like get in trouble and like, you know, take it apart and tinker with it. Like some people get yes. to do or did got mm -hmm. to do. Um, but yeah, so like, you don't have to have been a hacker like Curtis in order to be able to still get into the, into the field and, and do good stuff. But yeah, I love when I get to, um, I love when I get to like detonate, like really bad stuff and like play with it and see what happens. And like, um, I, my favorite thing to do with maze was trying to, um, cause a lot of what I do is finding artifacts, um, you know, like as the malware is executing or after it's, it's already, you know, like done its thing. And, yeah. you know, with, with maze, like everything got locked up. And so I had to figure out like creative ways around some stuff to be able to get the information that I needed to get. And so, yeah, that was, that was a ton of fun. I, I enjoyed that. I'm, my, I'm uh, really glad you got to do that stuff because I, in my case, I got stuck in a situation where I knew more than I should know. And so the <laughs> comm squadron is making mistakes and I'm telling them not to make these mistakes or we're going to lose a drive. 
and they keep doing it. And I'm like, well, I'm an aircraft maintainer. I can't tell you what to do, but I'm sorry, Curtis, go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Well, actually, before I you, a... go ahead. <laughs> well, so I was going to say with Maze, one of the funny stories I had real quick was I was, oh, uh, we also had a client that got hit by Maze. <clears throat> and so I was asked to do some incident response, which, you know, I still like to do. I, I love the blue team still. And so I, I like to be pulled into incident response as much as I can because yeah. it's fun, right? It's like solving a crime, working Absolutely. backwards. Making and, hackers and, look bad. Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things I was it. doing was I was running Maze in a sandbox and I was running the DLL and, and running uh, stuff that I saw from strings under the commands of run, and run 32 DLL. And um, I didn't think it worked. So I set my laptop down and this is in the middle of the night. This is like 3 a.m. And then Maze takes a few minutes to run. She probably knows this. And yeah. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden it beeps really loudly and, and starts talking to me, right? Like, hello, Kurt, Kurt Braz. And, you know, we've encrypted your files um you know the, the the voice to text thing was coming on and it scared the heck out of me at 3 a.m nice. in the morning i just thought that was so funny <clears throat> that it that it scared me to death and i ended up recording it on my phone to show my coworkers. but and that's what your so, sysadmin thought in high school too so i, I do want to throw yeah. this out there for people that are listening i mean kurt curtis you're amazing the the amount of technical oh. skills you have is outstanding and i noticed you as well as me like i'm a beginner in all this you were also doing the CrinkleCon 2019 Holiday Hack Challenge. <laughs> I love, okay, so Ed Scotus and that whole CounterHack team. he's a great person too. They're amazing. And, and that's one of the things about, I love CrinkleCon so much. I did it the last two years, right? And, and just, I'm trying to get my entire team at the company I work for to, to, to sign up because it is so awesome what they put well, on every year. Like I say, what I mean is even at your level, what you understand, CrinkleCon still has a value added to you. You still- Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, and you're yeah. a rock star, but yet it's still there's still value to you. Okay, so I'm I'm not a rock star. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm definitely not a rock star. There's a, there's a lot yeah. of people out there, but um, anyway, yeah. So so I wanted to use CrinkleCon actually. I'm going to use them uh, somehow in my book. I think I don't have a good cue for uh, for the red team, and I was thinking quality is a word I might have to end up using because I don't have. I already used query injection for the for the mm -hmm. malware book. Um, so I asked Ed Scotus, I was like, Hey, is it okay if I use KringleCon in my book? I, I plan on doing quality deliverable and having like a report that a robot's writing. Right. And, and I want to use the KringleCon logo, the Santa Claus logo that you guys use in there. And, and he was like, Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd be honored. So, um, that's one of the cool things about this book too, is I've got to work with a lot of really yeah. famous, like really cool people that have contributed to the community in so many different ways. I've gotten to have conversations with them and they've been super supportive of putting that stuff in there. Well, I did read your write-up. You got a lot further than I did, but I did enjoy KringleCon. And, and I actually made some friends out of uh, doing the, the holiday hack challenge from then on. And it's just like going to a conference. I actually make friends online. Yeah. Uh, people I've never even met. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, we can work together trying to solve some things and, and a lot of stuff going on. And, and I absolutely love it. Um, so you know, I, I just appreciate that somebody at your skill level, and we're not just kissing your butt, both of us think you're amazing because I started reading all your stuff and I went, wow, this guy's really amazing because I am totally going to use your phishing API, but I'm not going to get into you that. <laughs> so, I, so I want to, we're, we're so over an hour. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, don't apologize to me. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I can talk to you forever. So I want to bring up though, because, so I know a little bit about both you and Nick and 
Um, so there was something I thought that was interesting in your intro where you talked about um, kind of how you were like the local help desk kid in your town and that people would ask you, you know, to help them with different um, IT stuff. And Nick lives in a small town and um, he's in, am I allowed to say where? Yeah, you can say where. Yeah, so, so Nick is in Deadwood, South Dakota where there's not a whole lot of anything. It's yeah. an adorable town. Honestly, there it's, I, I went to Wild West Hackenfest last October and that's when Nick and I um, met for the first time officially in person. Um, and yeah, it's the, the most adorable town. There's, you know, what is there like 2000 people, Nick? Something 1,853 like. people live here. And so, and Nick um, is known as what, is it the $50 geek? <laughs> yes, the $50 geek. So, and, so, and I'll so go Nick, and secure somebody's Wi-Fi for 50 bucks. But if it, I told him after that, it, I charge per hour. But if right. it's under an hour, I'll get my 50 bucks and I'm happy. 50 bucks. That's awesome. Yeah. I just thought it was really cool because when I was reading when I was reading your blog, Curtis, I thought, oh my God, Nick and you are like <laughs> the same, the same person. Same person, both, yep. <laughs> both doing your both doing your um your thing for your small towns. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I very small town where I grew up, um, pretty much the same population size in, in our, in our main town. Um, but yeah, there wasn't, I, I live in an agriculture town. I'm in Indiana, so it's not hard to imagine, you know, a lot of cornfields and, and things like that. Right. Um, so, you know, growing up, I was, I was pretty much the only kid in the technology. And so that, that's always been really interesting to me is just how awesome and, and how big this InfoSec community is, because I really didn't find it until, you know, in the last five years or so, to be honest, or, or the last seven years or so, when I got my last, le most recent position, I kind of thought I was a lone wolf until I started meeting other people. And well, I think that's yeah, really, that's, really cool. I, I'm with you on that because I didn't even start connecting with people in the community until the very first Wild West Hackenfest. And I only heard about it on a podcast. And then I turned, I found out that Black Hills Information Security is just up the road. Oh, and yeah. so they're, they're I was awesome. like, wow, they're right here. So then I got to go talk to them and I wouldn't even have given my talk if it wasn't for Larry Pesci. Like I talked to Larry Pesci after this at the second conference and I just told him what I had in my mind. And these guys are amazing. Like they're, yes. they're there. They want people in the community. They're not there to compete against you and bury you. They want you to be part of the community. They want people to contribute to make us stronger. And yeah. I was absolutely so happy. Like a guy that I look up as a mentor is like, please give that talk. I want to hear it, you know? That's and, awesome. And it was really cool, you know, that the, I would not have done any of this stuff if it wasn't for those guys, you know? The Black Hills people are, are awesome. And, you know, they're always contributing to the community. They were super supportive with the book too. John Strand and everybody ended up yeah. um, publicizing it, but yeah, they're awesome. That's so cool. So, um, all right. So for people who are interested, um, I just want to kind of like highlight a couple of the things. So number one, you have medium.com forward slash at Kurt Braz. So we need to make sure like, seriously, you guys listening, like go check it out. I love your writing style. Um, it, I have another, I have another podcast coming up with a malware researcher who like talks about crying in a, in a scotch glass. And like, I love when people who are doing technical articles know that those of us who are reading your technical articles 
would very much like to giggle during the day. <laughs> so like, I love your writing style and it's so easy to read. It's, you're learning as well as just it's easy. It's, it's very conversational and I, and I love that. And then for those who want to get your book, so we've got currently, they can order M is for Malware, right? Is there still copies of that out there for them? There's not. Um, I've done a really bad job of um, trying to figure out exactly how many I need. Um, it is a, it's a big financial risk for me. So I have to, I really rely on pre-orders to figure out how many I need to print and have Absolutely. shipped here. Um, so right now I'm taking pre-orders for all three books. M is for Malware, awesome. R is for Red Team, and B is for Blue Team. So everybody needs to head over to msformalware.com and snatch okay. up, snatch up. And it, honestly, like it doesn't matter if your kid is two or 20, um, cause I'm going to get a whole like copy of the set and send it to my oldest, um, who is just getting into cybersecurity. He just got out of the army and, um, and he's getting into cybersecurity and he has a brand new baby. So like, I'm super excited to like get him like the, the box set, if you will. And, um, and yeah, I think it's great. I think even if you don't even have kids, like it's just fucking cool. Well, right. I was all about to say, for those of you that are red teamers wannabes and all those in between uh on his github the charlie uniform romeo tango bravo romeo alpha zulu and he has his fishing api behind that yeah um it's an amazing setup uh and i noticed you use slack a lot heavily on that for notification i do yep yeah but it, it it's an amazing setup to easily set up a fishing campaign um so go check that out guys uh it is up to date. And if anybody can contribute, I noticed you got your last contribution two months ago. So, uh, you know, yeah. if there's anybody willing to help out, this is a, a really amazing project. So thanks, Nick. Yeah. I'm so, I'm God, I love you so much, Curtis. I think you're so cool. Like you're, you're such a great asset to our community. And like, I love that you're so humble and act like you're not a rock star, even though we know you are. Um, so people should, oh my gosh, if you guys aren't already following Curtis, um, he's at Kurt Raz on Twitter, which is um, C-U-R-T-B-R-A-Z. And um, same thing on Medium. Check him out. Follow him. For God's sakes, buy this fucking book. Like, you guys, like, it's so cool. For those who are not being, who are, like, listening and not able to see, like, first off, this big, I love your banner because it's the big blue Emma's from okay. Our Monster, <laughs> yeah. which I love. Um, blue is one of my favorite colors and I love that he's like, like, so I'm going to just describe the, 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 uh, the cover for people. So it's M is for malware, cybersecurity ABCs. And it is this cool blue monster who's very kind of like cookie monster esque. And, um, he's pulling wires out of a computer, out of like a tower. Um, it looks like he's chomped on some, I want to I like, like enlarge it um but but like a little i know like you can tell what what era we all grew up in but like i love this um this, oh, the ram this, yeah the little ram card and um it's just so cool and like every time that my son picks it up and like i have one of those ottomans that is um like you can open it and store shit in it oh, and yeah. all that's stored in it is like toys <laughs> and so like he and, and your book is so we have a book shelf in his bedroom that has like a ton of books when when i um was having him 
I didn't want cards for anything. I think cards are stupid and a waste of money. And so like I asked for people in, in lieu of a card, please give us a book, spend $2 on a book versus a card. And then just yeah. put your, put your well wishes inside that book. And so that way, when we read that book, um, we can know who it came from and kind of like what they were thinking and how and it's, it's awesome. But anyway, so like, I have, I have a bookshelf full of books for him, but this one stays out in the open where he grabs it on a, on a, you know, pretty regular basis and nothing, nothing warms my heart more than this two-year-old little boy, this cute little blonde kid bringing it to me and shutting it in my face because he wants me to read it to him. Like, and I will stop and every time read it to him. And sometimes we read it three or four times in a row and I'm okay with that. Like, I love it. Ellis for lateral movement. In case anybody was curious. <laughs> so yeah, definitely you guys check out Curtis on Twitter, on Medium, the book, Emma's from Mauer, like it's awesome. And I feel like everybody, it's just a cool, like stick it on your, on your desk kind of book. Like, I think it's just cool. Um, so yeah, definitely everybody check it out. Thank you so much, Curtis. Hey. This was so much fun. We're going to have to Thank do this you. again. I'm, I'm... Let's do this again when the, when the, when the other books come out. Yeah, thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah, um, we love to talk an to honor. you books come out. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. I really appreciate it, guys. All right. Well, thanks, everybody who joined us and um, and I, that stuck it out for this. I am not too bad. Hour and 20 minutes. Um, we've been horrible on some of them. And hey, it takes me an hour to get my to fault. work, so I like long podcasts. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Um, and join us. We've got some really cool stuff coming up in the future. Um, we've got another McAfee interview. We've got an interview with Janice, his wife. Um, we've got an interview with some uh, research malwares like um, Elliot Alderson from the F Society Twitter account has agreed to be on. So like everybody, like just, you know, stay tuned, check it out. We've got some cool stuff coming up. All right. Thanks so much.